This is the 44th sermon in the series of homilies on the Divine Liturgy of the Holy Orthodox Church. And this is the final sermon in this series. But before I speak about the Divine Liturgy, I want to spend a little time talking about this feast today. The commemoration, the solemn commemoration of the beheading of John the Baptist. We see in this event the dichotomy of the world. Two extremes. We see St. John the Baptist who was born of a miraculous conception from Elizabeth and Zechariah, who even within the womb leaped for joy in the presence of the Lord and prophesied and predicted the coming of the Lord. And he was raised in the desert and was completely chaste and pure and on fire for God and totally put off the pleasures of this world having a family, having clothes to wear, having good food to eat, having a place to relax, none of that. Totally excluding the vanity of this world. And on the other hand, you have an ungodly family, Herod, Herodias, Herodias' daughter, drunken, uh, sexual, sexually immoral, um, totally lawless, no regard for the law. And we see the, the extremes here. They, they lived for the moment, what they could eat, what they could drink, what they could experience pleasure in, with no regard for eternal life, eternal values, the law of God, the holiness of God. We have two great extremes here. Each of us are in the middle of this struggle. Each of us every day have to decide which way we're going to choose. Are we going to follow God's laws and look long-term when we decide what we're doing with our lives? Or are we going to live for the moment and what is easy, what is expedient? Sadly, we live in a country today where the ruling class, the government, has chosen the way of Herod. Choosing to do what is expedient, what is easy, whether it be the border on our southern uh, border, whether it be laws concerning abortion, whether it be our foreign policy in Afghanistan, every single example we can think of for the last eight months, we have seen a government choosing the way of the world, of expediency, of easiness, of pleasure, of the easiest way out. Lack of responsibility, lack of accountability, lawlessness, lawlessness, 
throughout the streets and the lands. And we grieve. We grieve because of it for our country, for all those who are suffering because of this lawlessness, this irresponsibility, this cowardice. But let us focus on our own hearts. And so as we go through our day-to-day struggles, let us keep the example of John the Baptist in front of us. And we can't live the extreme life he led, but we can keep the commandments. We keep the laws of the church. We keep the fasts and the feasts of the church. And we, in our daily lives, we pray, we read the Holy Scriptures, we love our neighbors, we take care of each other, take care of our responsibilities. We don't put them off. We don't choose the easy way. Let us continue to do that that and ask for God's mercy in our lives. So getting to the, the sermon on the divine liturgy today, I want to kind of summarize all that I've tried to communicate over the last year. Oh, I will be only be here a couple hours, so don't worry about it. I'm just kidding. I want to boil it down into three basic points. The first point is that everything that God has ever done in the world in revealing himself to man is completed in the divine liturgy, finds its fulfillment in the divine liturgy. We began in the book of Genesis. We began in the beginning. Throughout the Old Testament, everything is pointing to how God wants to be worshipped in the divine liturgy. For nearly 2,000 years now, Christians all over the world, Protestant, Roman Catholic, and Orthodox, have participated in this liturgical practice of receiving Holy Communion as the ultimate expression of Christian worship. Only the Orthodox has kept this sacrament in its proper condition and proper state. During the Protestant Reformation, Reformation, many groups within the Reformation relegated Holy Communion to a second place in the service or even eliminated it altogether. And even those denominations who have kept the Lord's Supper as part of its weekly service, they don't understand it the way the Orthodox Church does and the way the Holy Scriptures teach it and preach it. And it has become something that is just attached to the service. But it has been replaced by preaching primarily. That is the big focus of many of these churches. For us as Orthodox Christians, all Christian worship leads us to the Holy Eucharist. We live from Eucharist to Eucharist. So this this is the main point, the first point. The second point is that preparation for and reception of Holy Communion should be ordinary and not extraordinary. 
What I mean by that is, if you are a faithful Orthodox Christian, you should expect to receive Holy Communion every week. And we prepare for it, not through anything extraordinary, but through an ordinary life of devotion to Jesus Christ and submission to his headship. Every day we pray. We should have set times of prayer that we keep. And we say, we say our rule of prayer. We read the Holy Scriptures appointed for the day. We have time. We have 16 hours a day, maybe. If we sleep eight, we have 16 while we're awake. We have the news constantly, which we give a lot of time to. We can give 10 minutes to just sit down and read the epistle and the gospel for the day. We need to read the good news before we try to tackle all the bad news. We struggle against our besetting sins, which all of us have. We fight against them. We keep the commandments. And when we lose our way, we repent, go to confession if needed, and we get back on track. That is a normal, ordinary Orthodox life that prepares us every week to receive the precious body and blood of Jesus Christ. The final point is that the divine liturgy, the Holy Eucharist, is the fulfillment of all that the world desires and needs. In a world struggling for equality, justice, fairness, diversity, unity, and all those other values that we hear so much about in the news, the Holy Eucharist is the only place, the only place, where all of these human ideals are fulfilled. There is only one Eucharist, and we all partake of it equally, all peoples. St. Paul had to deal with how the Eucharist would develop, how the Lord's Supper would be partaken of, early on in the book of Acts. And what he said and what he did set the pattern that all Christians have, have acknowledged down to the centuries. And he dealt with the problem of diverse people, different cultures, rich and poor, Hebrew and Greek, and all those things. He dealt with those things in his epistles. And here is how he dealt with it. Specifically to the Corinthian church. They were having a serious problem, a mess. He says, when you come together, therefore, to one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone takes his before his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. In other words, they're coming to the church, they're all bringing their picnic baskets or whatever, 
and wine, and they're having a big party. And some have a lot to eat and drink, and some don't have much at all. This is not good. He is describing a chaotic situation where people are bringing to the church their own food and drink and having a feast as part of the worship service. See, you know, they had to figure this out in the early New Testament church. And it developed and evolved into what we have today as a divine liturgy. Some were filled, some were hungry, some even drunk. In response to this, Paul sets a pattern that fulfilled all that had proceeded in the Old Testament and established the new order for the New Testament church when they came together for worship. And listen to what Paul said to these Corinthians and saying it to them also to all Christians throughout the ages. He begins, what? Have you ever ever said that? When you've seen something you just can't believe? Or you're just totally stupid? Like, what? I can see Metropolitan Gregory. He likes to use that expression a lot when he's talking about something that is really off base. He says, what? St. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, what? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God and shame those that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So he's really coming down hard on them. Then he goes on to lay out the primary form of worship in the Christian church. And you know these words. For I have received of the Lord that which I also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is broken, for you do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That's it. That's the Holy Eucharist. And we have a lot added to it, a lot leading up to it, a lot following it, but that is... Christian worship. And that is what the world needs. My children in Christ, there is only one Eucharist, there is only one cup, and we all partake of it equally. Rich and poor, strong and weak, kings and peasants, as the song goes, red and yellow, black and white. All of us are precious in his sight, and all of us receive the precious body and blood of Christ equally, no matter what our state in life. The world cannot understand this. The most powerful thing that we can do for our country and for our world during these difficult times is to serve the divine liturgy with purity of heart and to offer up sincere and heartfelt prayers for the whole world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. Glory to God.